Good morning. Good morning. I am so glad to be back at St. Stephen's Church as we continue to study the general theme of bad things that happen to good prophets. This week, our focus is now on John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, and particularly on the horrific account of his death. John's role in the story of Jesus is to prepare the way for his coming. And he did this by telling people to repent and by baptizing them in the River Jordan. John, as we know, also baptized Jesus. In Matthew and Mark's Gospels, we learn that John wore clothing made out of camel's hair and that he ate wild locust and honey. When I tell the story of John to children, I tell them that John was a wild man, and then I show them my favorite puppet. Today, we hear that John the baptizer was executed by Herod when Herod gave in to his stepdaughter's request, after a prompting by her mother, who had a grudge against him, to give John's head on a platter after her dancing had pleased King Herod. Now, as an aside, some of us may know that the daughter's name was Salome, despite this name not being mentioned in the Bible. And the reason that we know this is that this very same story is also told by the Jewish historian named Josephus. And in his historical accounts, he says the dancer was named Salome. Josephus was a historian. He was an advisor to three Roman empires, and at the time his books were widely read. But here's an interesting piece of Bible trivia. The New Testament story of John the Baptist is the only New Testament story that can be examined both through secular history as well as biblical history. Or in other words, the story of John the Baptist is found in both the New Testament and in the secular history of that time. Now, for those of us that have not spent our time reading Flavius Josephus' Jewish Antiquities, we might also know Salome from Oscar Wilde's play, from Richard Strauss's opera, from the Rita Hayward movie, and for those of us who have teenagers, the vampire Salome in the HBO series True Blood. But what has always fascinated me about John's story are the many parallels between it and the story of Jesus. John's birth was also announced by the angel angel Gabriel, and in many ways we know it was miraculous. His mother Elizabeth was very, very old. We see at the beginning of our reading that Jesus was thought by some to be the risen John the Baptist, who at the time of the stories of Jesus we've been hearing, John the Baptist had already died. John, like Stephen, Paul, the disciples of Jesus, 
They all were martyrs who suffered particularly difficult deaths because of the message they came to proclaim. For Jesus and John said things that disturbed the religious rulers, the political leaders of their time. They proclaimed messages that advocated for change. Change in the way the laws were viewed, change in the way people were to treat and act towards each other, and even change in the way that we should all envision God and how we should fulfill our faith in our world. In many ways, both Jesus and John advocated for change that was, in the weakest sense, controversial, and in the strongest sense, both radical as well as revolutionary. And given the nature of the times they lived in, it is not surprising that Jesus and John were killed. They were both taking dangerous risks. They were both advocating for change, change that many were not ready for yet. When I think of the church, both with a big C and a little c, at least in my lifetime, it has been a paradoxical combination of something that seems to never change as well as something that is always changing. Personally, my life in the church has involved many changes since I began my ordination journey in 2003. Because it is recommended that one leave one's home church after ordination, I had to, as you know, change churches something that was very difficult for me and for my daughters, who consider St. Stephen's to be their home. My chaplain jobs also changed. In the peak of the recession in 2009, I was laid off of my chaplain job at the Children's Hospital, along with 25 other staff members. If any of you have ever been laid off of a job you love, you know how much that hurts. Having unexpected change is never easy. For three years after that, I ministered as a chaplain in a geriatric hospital in the Bronx, coming in as their first woman chaplain priest after over a century of male Episcopal priests. There, my femaleness was a challenge for some of the elderly residents, the majority of whom were Roman Catholic. But after a while, it was okay. They got used to me, so to speak. And I knew it was going to be really okay when Jerry wheeled into the chapel one day and he told me he liked the way I set the altar using the old-fashioned veil the way the Catholics used to do it. And after that, he called me Father Slade. <laughs> yes, it was ministering to the good folks in that nursing home that taught me a lot about coping with change and how hard it was. For them, 
Leaving one's home to enter institutional living means experiencing a loss of everything that is familiar. For them, they lost their home, their possessions, their neighbors, their church, and usually a loss of physical function, which may have necessitated the move to begin with. But there is also something wonderful and exciting about change as well. In the case of John's prophetic voice and the works and the words of Jesus, the good news is all about a new heaven and a new earth that could be precisely because of the power we all have to make changes in our own lives, in our own world, to do better, to love each other, to care for each other, to make things better. Change can be terrifically good. Just what's needed, what people hope and dream about. I started out saying that the church and our church of St. Stephen's is both a constant, a foundation, a beacon for so many of us to return to this place that we love, but it is also forever changing as well. It changes as the season changes, it changes as our life changes. Looking out in the pew today, I see many familiar faces, but I also see new faces. I see young people who used to sit in pews as babies. I look for friends. Friends like Ben Townsend, Steve Kirk, Sarah Tyson, and many others that we love that are no longer in their pews anymore. And we know as well, the face at the altar changes too. And in weeks, you will have Whitney as your new rector. Yes, our altar and our pews are still here. But over time, Reverend Aaron and Judy notwithstanding, the faces do change, replaced by new and faithful people. And all of this is what church is, staying the same, but also changing. In February of this year, my father-in-law, Harry Kent, died at his home in England. When my husband was looking for the right words to describe his father, Peter remembered the plaque on the wall at St. Stephen's a plaque that many of us have probably stared at many, many times. The plaque over there that was put up to honor a good and a faithful parishioner of days gone by. The plaque uses the words, having done all things, stand fast. Having done all things, stand fast. This is a variation of one of Paul's letters to the Ephesians. And in a way, these words too epitomize both change and permanence at the same time. 
For the faithful, we hope to spend our days doing the things we need to do to make things better, the things we need to do to make our families' lives and the world a better place, a good place. And then, when it is our time, we can leave here strong, convicted in the knowledge that those things were done. The plaque on the wall is still there. The vestryman, the junior warden, it honors Albert Henry Storer is no longer here, maybe even no longer remembered by those in the pews who stare at the plaque. But despite the changes that have occurred over time, that message and our connection to this fellow parishioner continues. Our connection to him and to each other is really found in the things that we do for each other. Things we do out of love. Things we do out of our faith. So, a part of St. Stephen's came to Harry's funeral from the words on that plaque. And we felt the people too, when upon our return, Georgia Carrington, representing the Altar Guild, delivered your altar flowers, along with condolences from this church. Like the song says, here is the church, here is the steeple, open the doors, and here's all the people. The church is this glorious building. The church is all of you caring people. St. Stephen's is staying the same, and it is also changing. It is doing all things, and it is standing fast. May your love for each other guide your comings and your goings. May God's light perpetually shine upon you. Amen.